quick update uh, with our blessing, Ma'e Ma'e. So I was able to drop off um, lunch, as well as we, we got uh, bentos from Sugoi, and then we gave out our handwritten cards to every faculty and staff, uh, and blessed them with a, a $5 Starbucks card. It was neat. So I was there, um, not this past week, but the week before, and was dropping everything off at the library, which is the building in the back upstairs. And um, as I was we're dropping the food off, uh, one of the, the teachers came to me and was like, can I just give you a hug? Like, you guys always, you know, bless us. And I was shocked because, uh, right, we took a break from meeting here because of COVID. And so I was shocked that she remembered that we were here before COVID and we were blessing them already. And so, yeah, I was shocked. She wanted to give me a hug and just, just thank the church for, um, uh, for, for always thinking about them. And so that was just a really encouraging time. And, yeah, I just want to thank you for partnering us with us to, to bless this school. Our, our vision as a church, it's to be a place of refuge, redemption, and resurgence uh, here in our city, uh, here in New Orleans. That's our vision. Right? That's what fuels and, 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 and uh, helps lead in, in, in the ways that we make decisions. We want to be a, a blessing to this school, a blessing to this community in the city, that people would come and experience Jesus as their refuge, as, the, as their safety, and experience Jesus uh, to redeem them from their sin and from death, and then a resurgence, a, a, a new life where they're now empowered by God's Spirit uh, to, to go out and share the love of Christ with others. That's our vision as a church, because vision right, stirs and motivates and, and gives purpose uh, to a group of people. When you think about companies and organizations, right, good ones will cast effective vision right, through meetings, through commercials, through advertisements, right? Companies will often uh, sell us on their vision, on what they can provide for us, what they can provide for their community with their product or, or with w- um, whatever it is they're, they're, they're presenting, hoping that others would commit uh, to that vision. Right? Because uh, they understand something that, that I think we know too is that human beings are motivated by what we can see. Right? When we can visualize it in our minds, it, it just stirs and motivates us to action. Like, I remember the first time uh, the iPad came out. If you guys remember that, that was 13 years ago. I remember watching Steve Jobs get on stage and pull out the iPad. And then, if you saw that 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 presentation, right, he was projecting the iPad on a big projector screen, and he was just showing the audience all the different ways that the that the iPad could be used. Like, just casting a vision of what your life could be like if you got this tablet. I remember watching it and thinking, I gotta buy this thing. Like, I need an iPad. Before I didn't need an iPad, but after watching that presentation, for some reason, I needed an iPad. And it didn't matter how expensive it was. It was I forget how much it was. It was expensive. Um, but I know I needed it. I felt like I needed it because I caught a hold of the vision that that company was casting as far as how your life could be changed um, if you were to have the iPad. Because right, vision does, does things for our imagination. Right? When, when vision is cast, right, we can almost taste it. We almost can touch it or smell it or hear or feel it. We understand the benefits that comes with buying into that, that, that vision. That's what successful companies and businesses do. And yet, despite right, all these kind of marketing strategies and all the different companies that experience success, when it comes to vision, God really is the the perfect, the masterful, the ultimate vision caster. 
And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. In the Bible, we're given this vision of the future. And God gave it to different people in, in the Bible. And one person in particular he gave it to was the Apostle Paul. Paul got this taste of heaven. He had a vision of heaven. He was taken up to it. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians that he saw such great things of the next life, right, of heaven, uh, that he wasn't permitted to talk about it. Right, this is more than getting a sneak peek to you know, an upcoming movie or to an upcoming video game or to an upcoming product. Right, this is a sneak peek of heaven that Paul was given a picture to. And later on, in another letter that Paul writes to Timothy, he talks about heaven saying, you know, God, he lives in unapproachable light. Meaning it's so glorious there that we in our human bodies right now don't have the physical capability to enter into God's presence because of his unapproachable light. That's how this, unlike anything in this world, heaven is. And so this morning, we're going to hear from another author in the scriptures, the Apostle John, who was, was given a vision of our future in the book of Revelation. We'll also look at some other passages in the Bible as well, but we'll stick with Revelation. And my prayer for us this morning is that as we see this vision of our future home, of our future life, it would stir us and motivate us uh, to live in the present right now. So let's open up to Revelation chapter 21 as we look at this heavenly vision that we're given. It reads, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. So John is given this vision of the new heaven and new earth, and it's a vision of a new creation. The creation is made new. That's the first thing that we want to see about this vision, is that the creation is made new. Now, there are different passages in the Bible that describe this new creation, describe this, this future world that we're going to be stepping into. So, for example, in the Bible, it tells us that in the new creation, creation itself will be in harmony with each other. Harmony with each other. So, for example, in Isaiah chapter 11, in verse 6, Isaiah sees the vision of this. The wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the young lion and the fattened calf will be together, and a child will lead them. I mean, just try to imagine this vision that's being cast here. This child leading out these animals. The cow and the bear will graze. Their young ones will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like cattle. Right, so here's this vision of these animals that are typically right, either the hunted or the hunter, but they're now living side by side in peace with each other. There's a harmony between the animals. There's a harmony within creation that we've yet to see yet. And then, right, something unthinkable is a child here is leading out a young lion. Right? And, then, and God continues on right, and says this, An infant will play beside the cobra's pit, and a toddler will put his hand into a snake's den. They will not harm or destroy each other on my entire holy mountain. For the land will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with water. So in why right, we don't have anything intense like cobras. So I was just thinking, trying to think. We got centipedes. <laughs> That's not really close, but we got centipedes, right? Now can you imagine, right? Uh, oh, one of our kids 
or a nephew or or a niece that you have, right? Going out in the yard, grabbing centipedes and cuddling them like baby bunnies, like bunnies, right? That would just terrify us. Like, oh no, don't do that. You can't do that with centipedes, right? It's going to bite you. But that's that picture here of animals that would be deadly and poisonous and that could harm us. Here it says, right, the kid is with the cobra. There is no longer any danger that comes. There's no longer any nervousness as adults that we have when a child is by an animal that could harm them. That is all not a part of the new creation. No longer any of that kind of fear of your child playing outside. And then, back in Revelation, John says the sea is no more. Right, The sea is gone. Right, he's not talking about the ocean because we just read in Isaiah, right? It talks about uh, you know knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with water, right? So John is not talking about there's no longer any ocean. So he's not trying to disappoint surfers, bodyboarders, swimmers, kayakers, all of us canoers, all, all of that. Right? He's not trying to bum us out. See, in the ancient times, the sea would represent a place of danger. Right, because there'd be often shipwrecks, people drowning in the open ocean, people losing their lives, there's storms and whatnot. The Apostle John himself, right, when, when he was on the Sea of Galilee with the disciples, they almost capsized because of the storm they were in. The, the storm came to represent for people in those times a place of danger and separation where people could lose their lives. And so in this vision of the new heavens and new earth, right, there is complete safety a freedom from danger. There are no longer any threats. There's harmony between creation amongst itself, but not only that, harmony between creation as to humanity. And that's what we're going to see. But not only is there harmony, but there's also beauty that we've yet to see in the new creation. See, when uh, humanity, when we rebelled against God, our relationship with God was fractured, but it also meant that the Creation itself was impacted by Adam and Eve's sin against God. Creation was not left untouched. Just kind of think about it uh, in, in terms of, of like if an adult was on drugs or on substances. Right? Their family is going to be affected by it because it's not isolated. So when humanity turned against God, the creation that they were living in would also be affected by sin. The Bible tells us that Creation itself was degraded because of the fall. It lost some of its beauty. In Romans 8.20, it says, For the creation was subjected to fertility, frustration, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. So the beauty of creation, right, which we see it now, we, we see it right, living in Hawaii, we see it with all the mountains and the oceans and the forests and, and the animals, the flowers, we see glimpses of the beauty. But its potential has not yet been fully realized because of sin. So we might be in awe driving on the H3, but it's going to be even more amazing in the new creation because the beauty has been tainted. Its full potential has not been fully realized. It, it's kind of like um, if you were to drive a fancy car. I just thought like if you were to drive a Tesla. The only time I sat in a Tesla was when I was on an Uber on the mainland. And uh, I remember sitting in there, being driven around, and just being like, whoa, look at all these cool functions. Now imagine if, if the Tesla lost all of its cool functions. All it could do was drive. 
right, then it'd be kind of a bummer because it loses all of its neat little features. See, in the creation, a lot of its beauty was, has been taken away, marred, in bondage. And so we've yet to see really God's perfect creation yet. We've only seen a tainted version of it because of sin. So there's a beauty in creation that's yet to be seen. But also, there's a beauty in God's people, in us, that is yet to be made clear to us. There's an experience that we're going to have that we've yet to even taste. And John talks about this in Revelation 21, verse 3. He says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, His people. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away, right? So suffering and pain is no longer a part of the vocabulary in the new heavens and the new earth, this future vision uh, that we're given. And right, we can't really fathom that, right? Because ever since we came into this world, we've always experienced suffering. We've, as an infant, we've experienced the pains of hunger. As children, right, a lot of us had broken bones, sprained ankles, stubbed toes, cut up knees and, and, and uh, elbows falling down as a, ch- as a child. And I think about all of our, our, our uh, physical suffering as adults right now, right? Diseases and sicknesses and parts of our body that don't work the way that's supposed to, or our body's breaking down. All throughout our lives, we've experienced suffering. It's, it's just like, like all of our lives, we can't imagine life without breathing, We can't imagine life without some kind of pain or suffering. But not only that, we can't imagine life without the pain and suffering of other people that we care about. It's what we've always lived with. And yet here we're given this this vision of a future that's free from all of it. Try to play that out in our minds, right? What would that look like? Imagine you're no longer having to take your medication or pay for your medication. You're no longer to have to check your blood pressure. You no longer have to check your blood sugar levels. You don't have to go on dialysis anymore or receive any kind of treatment like that at the hospital. You no longer have to wonder about your next doctor visit or hospital visit, what that's going to be like. Or you no longer have to go to the hospital for a loved one, the doctors with a loved one. You don't have to grieve loved ones being sick or loved ones passing away anymore. But it's not only that, but we no longer have to feel the anxiety and the fear of those things that that we might anticipate happening or that might happen. We're free from all those things. Like I know for me, whenever I do my my, my yearly doctor visit and I get my blood drawn for that, like in the back of my mind, I always think like, what if this blood report shows something that's not right in my body? I don't know if you guys think like that. I think like that every single time. And uh, I have to get to this place of just rehearsing to myself God's truth. Like, all right, God, God is in control even over my health. You know, whatever, whatever this report's going to pull, whatever my doctor's going to say, like, God is in control. He has my life. Uh, I can trust in him. So I have this, like, little sermon that I have to play through my mind every time that I, I get my blood drawn, every time that I see uh, the doctor. All of that is going to be gone. Because there's, there's no longer any doctor visits. Because our bodies will be made complete. There's no longer any suffering. We're free from it. We're free from it, and then we're filled with 
a new kind of beauty that God will give his people. A new kind of beauty that God will give his people. See, in Revelation, John sees this vision of the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth, described as a bride. And uh, that beauty of the new city is actually reflected of the beauty of God's people. There, there's a connection between the city of God and the people of God. Let's read it. In verse 9, in Revelation 21, it says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came and spoke with me. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Then he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, arrayed with God's glory. Her radiance was like a precious jewel, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. So John, he's getting this vision of the new Jerusalem that's radiant and beautiful, and it's described as the bride of the wife of the Lamb. Now we're told in the scriptures that, that we are the bride of Christ. So there's this connection between the radiant city, the beautiful city, and the people of God. And that's why in this new city, it talks about on the gates and on the foundations, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles are written on it. And I believe that's a representation of all of God's people throughout all of history. Right? Their names are etched onto the city as a way of connecting the city to its people. And so there is this radiant beauty that God's people, as the bride of Christ, will have that we have yet to have, that we don't have right now. John describes it in 1 John 3 like this. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has yet, not yet been revealed. We know that when He, Jesus, appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him as He is. Right. So there's this new body that we're going to be given. There's this new radiance and beauty that we are going to have. Because right now, yes, we are made in God's image. Right? We are fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible tells us. But sin has distorted that beauty. Right? Our physical bodies break down. Our bodies get old. Our bodies stop functioning. And we can spend a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money right through Things like dieting, through exercising, through cosmetics, through surgeries, right, to maintain that beauty. And in one sense, right, we are to care for our physical bodies because God has given our physical bodies as a gift to us uh, to care for it, to worship him um, through it. And so, in a sense, we are to care for our physical bodies, but we also know that our physical bodies right now will break down because of the effects of sin, that right, we will die. And if we're only finding beauty in our present life right now and, and putting our efforts into this present life right now, we're missing out on this greater vision that God has for us, that there is a, a new kind of beauty that we will have with his people because we are joined with him. That beauty doesn't come from in and of ourselves. That beauty comes because we've been joined to God through Jesus. And so that's why God gives us right, these different relationships in life to teach us about our connection with him. So right, he created family. Right, he created marriage. Right, and that's to teach us of our relationship to God. Right, we are his children. That's also to teach us about the, the, the provision and the protection and the intimacy and the care that he has towards us. 
by them were the bride of Christ. And, and marriage was given as a gift to teach us about the, the closeness right, that God wants us to have with him. And so those relationships in and of itself right, doesn't find its ultimate meaning unless it's seen through the lens of our relationship to God. And so that beauty comes when we're joined with him, a part of his family as the children of God, as the bride of Christ, connected with him, reflecting the beauty that he has in and through us. That's what we have to look forward to. But not only that, we're going to experience a new type of relationship with God that we've yet to experience right now. John, in in verse 3 of 21, he says this. He says, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. His look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. And I'm going to jump down to verse 22 in the same chapter. It says, I did not see a temple in it, because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb, that's Jesus, are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, because the glory of God illuminates it, and its lamp is the Lamb. There's this radiance that comes through Jesus, the Lamb, that lights up the entire city. We're given this vision of a a new type of relationship and intimacy with God that we've yet to experience here, where Jesus is is radiating everything around us. So right now, we see God through the eyes of faith. God is spirit. He's invisible. We, we, We don't physically see him. But in the new creation, we're going to see God with our physical eyes. Because we'll have new bodies. And Jesus' glory will illuminate all that we see. When was the last time you were so excited to see someone that you haven't seen in a while? You couldn't wait to spend time with them. Maybe you look at pictures or videos on your phone. Just kind of reminded you of your relationship with them, getting you excited to see them. But nothing compares with when you actually are with them, seeing them face to face, in the same room as them. See, that's what we're going to have with the Lord. We're going to see him face to face for the very first time. When you think about it, this is the one that you've prayed to. This is the one that you've confessed your sins to who knows all of the secrets of our hearts, who we found mercy, right, when we realize how rebellious we were against him. Right, this is the one that we profess allegiance to, right, as the ultimate person in our lives over everything and over every person. This is the one, right, that is our greatest love, greater than any other love in our lives. We will see face to face. This is the one that, right, we've, we've doubted at times but came through, the one who answered our prayers. We're going to see him face to face. You ever played that out in your mind? Where you just kind of imagine seeing Jesus face to face? Just the flood of emotions that you'll be filled with? That's what heaven's going to be like. I love what Francis Chan, he's a popular speaker, uh, I love what he said uh, years ago at a conference I attended. He asked this question to us. He he, he, were to, he described heaven like if you were to go to heaven and you were to have everything that you wanted there, like you had all your friends and family members were there, 
All the stuff that you could ever dream about was there. All the suffering and the pain was gone. Everything that you could ever possibly want was there, except Jesus wasn't there. Jesus is not there. Then would we be okay with that? Would we be, oh, okay, that's not too bad. Or would that crush us? Would that crush us? Because heaven isn't heaven without the Lord. That's what makes it heaven. Because he is, right, our greatest love and our greatest lover. See, we're going to experience God's presence in a way that we have never tasted in this life. God is with us, the Bible teaches us. Uh, The Bible tells us that Jesus never leaves us. He never forsakes us. That the Holy Spirit lives in everyone who trusts in Jesus. So God's Spirit lives in us. The Bible also says that whenever we're gathered together, when two or more are gathered together in my name, Jesus said, I am there in their midst. So, uh, in other words, that Jesus is here with us in a special way than where we would be by ourselves in a room by ourselves. He's here in a special way. Yet, all of these ways that we experience God's presence is different from when we will see him face to face. And that's the future that we have to look forward to. It's a future that we cannot even fathom or dream about. So, in light of all that, right, how do we respond to a vision like this? Because whenever we catch a vision of something, there's always some kind of response. All right, what, how do I respond to what I've just seen? And in the Bible, there's just a lot of ways that the Bible tells us, okay, here's how you can respond uh, in light of this future that we have with the Lord. But I want, I want to just zero in on one. As, as I was thinking about 2024, as I was thinking about the church, thinking about, okay, what is one, one way we can respond to this, this vision that, that we're given, uh, that we have to look forward to? And that's this, that we would respond to this vision through entering 2024 with, with, with this lens of gratitude, that we were to look to our life through the lens of thanksgiving and gratitude. See, back in Hebrews, and, and that's where we started in our Advent series in the book of Hebrews, the writer encourages this thankfulness in light of the, 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 the new heavens and new earth, in light of the kingdom that we're receiving. In chapter 12, verse 28, the Hebrew writer says this, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. Right? That's the response. Let us be thankful right now. By this, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So in light of us receiving this future kingdom, right, a new creation that can't be shaken, it can't be taken away from us, it's certain, can't be destroyed, He's saying, be thankful. For us, let's enter 2024 with this lens of gratitude that we would serve the Lord, not out of bitterness, not trying to get something out of Him, but grateful for what we have in Him. As we kind of think through, maybe some of us like to, to you know, have commitments or, or do 2024 um, uh, different habits that you want to change up. As you're making those plans, do it through the lens of, of gratitude. Maybe some of us, right, we know that next year, tomorrow, right, that there's going to be some challenges. Like we already know that there's going to be certain physical challenges, emotional challenges, relational, 
Um, there's going to be things like uh, financial challenges that we, we already know it, it's going to happen in 2024. And it could be easy to kind of enter in pessimistic or cynical or discouraged entering into the new year. But I want to encourage us to, to look through the lens of gratitude. And, and the way we get that lens is by thinking through all the ways that God has blessed us. All the th- ways that God will bless us with his vision that he has cast for his people. One way we, we can do that, and uh, it could look like this. You can do it as an individual or you can do it as a family, is just looking, uh, spending time throughout the past year, 2023, just thinking of the many ways that God has blessed. So something that we do is, is uh, we have Google Photos, and so we just kind of cast it to our TV. And so we just scroll through every month, and uh, that reminds us, oh, in February, we got to do that. Thank God for that. And so we, we actually write it or draw it on a piece of paper. And so throughout the year, we're just reflecting on different ways that God has blessed us, different people that we got to meet, different people that we got to hang out with, different prayers that were answered, uh, different ways that God has, has, has provided in our lives. And we just write them down and we draw them. And sometimes we take a picture of it. Sometimes we, we hang it on the wall. But it's a way for us just to kind of make a lens of gratitude so that as we enter in 2024, we, we enter into it thankful for all that God has done. And then we can think through all the things that, that he has given to us spiritually, like eternal life, like forgiveness of sins. He has given to us the Holy Spirit who lives within us, rehearsing all the different gospel gifts that God has given us. And I find that it helps me to be less cynical, less bitter, less uh, thinking about what I don't have, and instead celebrating what God has given to us. And that ultimately is found and culminates in the gift of his one and only son that he has given to us. And so we're going to do some of this lens of gratitude through taking communion this morning, which we're going to do right now. And so I want to encourage you, uh, if if you don't have a communion cup, as a follower of Jesus, you can grab one on our back table. Uh, If you do have your communion cup, uh, you can pull it out right now as we thank the Lord as we put on this lens of gratitude for what he has done in our lives through pain for our sin, the sacrifice of Christ, through giving us a new life through his resurrection from the dead. And so we take up the cracker together representing his body. But it's also a reminder that we too are going to receive a new body. As you take it, even think about um, the physical challenges, the maybe the, the mental challenges, the emotional challenges that you have right now, right? Physical pain, maybe something's hurting, like hurting right now in your life, right? And take it, remind yourself, you know what? Like this pain is is one day going to be no more. That we're going to be given a new body that is absent of all, any and all kinds of suffering, and that's because He laid down His life and suffered for us. So let's go ahead. Let's take the cracker together, thanking the Lord for his sacrifice. And then we drink of the juice representing his blood. Because of his sacrifice, our sins are forgiven, and we now have free access into the kingdom of God through his sacrifice. So we we take of the juice, thanking the Lord for the forgiveness of sins in our lives. So let's go ahead and drink of the juice together.
And finally, just another way that we respond in gratitude out of all God has done is through advancing the gospel to the local church. One way you do that is through financial giving. You can do that online or in the box in the back. Well, let's go ahead and pray. Let's respond now to this radiant vision that we've been given in thanksgiving to God through, through song. Let me pray together. Father, thank you for this vision that you didn't keep to yourself, that you wanted us to have, knowing that we're going to experience hardship, knowing that we're going to experience suffering, knowing that life will not be easy, that we'll experience challenges. But we have this vision that we can hold on to. And it is certain, it is unshakable, because Christ has risen from the dead. And Lord, we pray that in response to all that you have done, Lord, we would come to you with a heart of gratitude, because you are good, and your love endures so we choose to respond now through song. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And well, I want to encourage you to stand as we respond now to the goodness of God in our lives.